Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Geek Town Behind the Scenes podcast. In this episode, I'm chatting with Jacob Bloomsfield Misrak, the sound supervisor for the documentary Crip Camp, which can be found on Netflix worldwide. From the Obama's Higher Ground production company, Crip Camp is directed by Nicole Noonan and Jim Lebrecht and follows a summer camp for disabled teenagers that becomes part of the landmark platform for the disabled rights movement in America. The majority of the documentary is archival footage, which was recorded by the 15-year-old Jim himself on a handheld recorder whilst he was at camp in the early 70s. Jim actually is now an accomplished sound designer himself, along with being a filmmaker and a disability rights activist. However, for this project, he handed over the reins of the sound supervisor role to Jacob. Jacob is a sound designer, editor and composer with over 20 years experience working on TV shows such as Saturday Night Live, Amazon's from the Loop, Marvel's Runaways, the North Pole series, along with films including Bathtubs Over Broadway, Decade of Fire, and the upcoming documentary You Cannot Kill David Arquette. In the interview, we discuss the painstaking work Jacob and his team went through to maintain the genuine and heartfelt archival footage, whilst also making it usable for a documentary on Netflix. This resulted in recreating around 80% of the sound by editing and recreating the audio in Foley and then distressing it back to match the original feel. If you're interested in sound mixing, Foley, sound design, it's fascinating and well, well worth a listen. Of course, if you want to hear more interviews, you can find them on Geektown.com. .co.uk, along with daily TV, film and gaming news and our weekly TV, film and gaming news podcast, Geek Town Radio, which you can find on all podcast providers. Here's the interview with Jacob Bloomsfield Misrak. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Thank you for coming on, and uh, 
being able to chat for a little bit. I mean, you know, people have free time on their hands right now, I guess. I, I suppose so, yeah. <laughs> I've been watching some of the uh, the film because it's now up on Netflix for people to go and watch. It's really interesting and it's one of those subjects that could get quite dark, but it's actually lovely and light and quite interesting to see something like that that I knew absolutely nothing about, which is, is great for a documentary. Yeah, actually, I think that was one of my biggest takeaways with this particular film and working on it is how they presented such a optimistic, positive force of good with a topic that could so easily have been depressing and sort of punishing to the audience. But but they did a great job keeping it a little bit, I don't want to say light, but a little bit of levity to it. Yeah, definitely. I really enjoy it. And um, you were the sound supervisor for this project before we get into the actual movie do we let's just do a little bit of background about you how did you get into doing what you do in the first place so i grew up mostly with the love for music and i grew up in the bay area playing in bands and then i moved to new york and just toured around the east coast and wanted to be a rock star and after probably 10 years of realizing that probably wasn't going to happen. A buddy of mine that I was in a band with offered me a job doing location sound mixing. And so, you know, the next day I had a boom pole in my hands and I was standing on set for 12 hours a day (laughs) and it was brutal, but I loved it. I loved the challenge of it. And I loved the production. I loved the, I don't know if production is exciting, but it's just, uh, you're always engaged. I loved how engaging production was for film. So I did that for a few years and then I made a lot of friends and because I had a background and music. And as a recording engineer, uh, I started telling my friends, Hey, you know, if you need this cleaned up, just I'll do it for cheap or I'll do it for free. And if you like it next time, you know, pay me for a post sound mix or sound design or scoring it. And that just went really well for a while. And before I knew it, I formed my own company in New York and I was working on a lot of big jobs. I was working on Saturday night live, New York times, and I was doing a film for Paul Haggis. And, and then my wife and I wanted to relocate out to California and have a kid and have some semblance of, you know, quality of life, which yeah. uh, a 400 square foot Brooklyn apartment hadn't <laughs> quite done for us yet. Right, yeah. And so we moved out here and I, I sent an email to Jim Lebrecht. It was totally a cold call. It was just a Google search for Bay Area sound design. And the next morning I woke up with an email in my inbox from Jim and it said, hey, you know, the timing of this is pretty interesting. I've just begun working on my own film and I could use someone that could essentially run his post-production sound company, Berkeley Sound Artists. (laughs) And I said, great. So let me come. And he hired me and uh, we worked together for a while. And ultimately, he gave me the reins of his post-sound company, Berkeley Sound Artists, and he finished making his film Crip Camp. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, how was that relationship working with Jim? Because Jim, by trade, is a sound person as well. So was there any sort of ever, any temptation on his part of kind of doing the whole thing himself? Or was that just going to be too much and he always wanted somebody else to handle it for? It? You know, that was really interesting. And, and I can say with certainty that it was the best working relationship I've ever had. Most of that, I give credit to him and his personality. And I think think his personality comes through so much in the film yeah and his partner making the film nicole noonham was fantastic to work with as well but as far as the the multiple hats that jim had to wear you know he's been a professional 
sound supervisor himself for 20 years and he had proper funding netflix and the you know obamas and higher ground were putting the film out so that he could really go anywhere to finish the film and they were talking to the ranch and he just wanted to finish it with his team and his company and his his family really that he's been working with for so mm-hmm. long so uh i was honored that he hired me as a sound supervisor and then a bunch of the other employees at Berkeley sound artists are people that he's trained to be just as good or better sound designers than he's always been. So we had this beautiful team of people who all really had love for each other. And he came on only as the head mixer and, and the rest of us handled pretty much everything else. Wow, that's awesome. So in terms of sound for the film, that sounds like a fascinating process because you ended up, I mean, the, the people who haven't seen the film yet, it's it's a lot of archival footage based in the 70s, actually recorded by Jim, who was 15 years old, I think, at the time, mm-hmm. uh, recording things on like a hand mic. So the sound quality is not great. Um, mm-hmm. But you can't just go and clean that up. So uh, just talk a little bit about what you did do for the film. Sure. Yeah, it was uh, a unique challenge to figure out where to draw the line of how clean and sterile something should be, especially because, like you said, we have this kid with a handheld microphone and he's 15 years old away at camp. If you clean it up too much, it loses the charm. Yeah. So we had a lot of conversations about how do we handle this audio it needs to feel like uh, it still needs to feel like a kid was doing the recording and that they didn't have some secret production team that was making it sound (laughs) really nice. So we figured out a rule of thumb, which any audio that was distracting to the story that was distracting to the main characters that had to go. But anything beyond that, if it was handheld noise, wind noise, if it was people chatting in the background, all of that had to stay in because it just felt authentic. How do you go about, that process of cleaning something up and then piecing it back together to stay authentic what what's the process you go through to do that well there's a handful of software and equipment we use isotope is an industry standard that we use a lot it essentially looks like photoshop you can you can draw pieces of audio out from waveforms that you can really get surgical about it. Yeah, it's it's an incredible program. So that plus a handful of other things and just surgical, notch EQ, things like that, we can go in and find very specific frequencies one by one, which takes a lot of time because it's, you know, almost, I guess the runtime ended around 110 minutes. So it's a lot of footage to go through frame by frame and choose, okay, this little hand bump mic sound is got to come out, but this next one's going to stay in. So we spent several weeks just going through and doing all of that piece by piece. And what can happen too, let's say a wind noise is distracting. You take it out, but then all of a sudden the audio isn't consistent. So then we have to start sound designing a scene so that it's not distracting because you have a big gap of air that's all of a sudden gone. So one of the tricks in sound design, and also it's part of dialogue editing, especially in documentaries, because we all know documentaries tend to be a little bit noisier and that's just because people are out in the world and it's not a closed studio set. Mm -hmm. So when we're cleaning that stuff up, we have to be invisible with any new sounds that we're adding in. So if we have to take out a bunch of low rumbly sound, we're actually going to put some new air back in and just, we're going to have to distress it a little bit because it still has to sound archival. You can't just take modern air. It has to sound like it was recorded on a handheld mic that was sort of low grade microphone from 40 years ago. And it's, it's quite a process to make it all 
feel seamless with the finished product. Yeah. So it was what about 80% of the sound you ended up recreating for this project? Probably, maybe even more. I really think we, to some degree, we covered a little bit of everything right. uh, from start to finish. And, and some of it was mild. Some of it might just be a little bit of room tone here and there, but others was drastic, you know, full crowds chanting. We may have even had huge protests in Washington, D.C. in the film that had no audio at all. And so we had to create all of these hundreds, if not thousands of people marching through the street, we see feet. So we need footsteps that are timed to sync and we have wheelchairs. So we had to do elaborate Foley for different types of wheelchair sounds because those are all slightly different sounding. And then we had to make it all sound like it was recorded in the seventies. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you mentioned doing Foley there. Uh, Foley is sort of where you take things and and use it to recreate sound. But in quite a lot of cases, you're not necessarily using the object that is actually on screen to create the Foley noise. True. So what's the oddest thing you ended up using in the Foley room that was completely different to the thing that you were actually Foleying on screen? That's a great question. Um, I think we had to use a couple of metal, like moving hand carts to get a sort of rattly sound for, I think it was a scene... Trying to remember the exact scene, but I think it was around the introduction of the electric wheelchair in the 1980s. Right. And that that was its own unique sound. And so to piece that together, we recorded a couple of actual electric wheelchairs, but we had a group of them at one point and we had to beef it up and make it sound like a, a bigger sound. I'm pretty sure we used some handheld metal carts to get more of the sort of janky sound of the wheels and sort of the squeaky sound. And then I think we had to add in a motorized hum, which I don't know if it was some factory machinery or maybe even like a car or a motorcycle or something, but you, you sort of take all the pieces that you get and put them together and somehow all of a sudden it sounds like the actual thing itself. Just crazy. I I love all that stuff. I find, I find the whole Foley thing really fascinating. Were there any particular bits of the film that you were particularly proud of how they came out? Well, there were definitely a lot of scenes that we were proud of. Um, there was a scene that I loved that we did some Foley and sound design for where Jim is talking about once he moved to California and he, I guess he borrowed his friend's motorcycle, which is kind of outrageous. And then of course <laughs> he, he crashed it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we recreated this sort of sound design of him crashing a motorcycle and we had a lot of fun with that one. <laughs> when you're doing something like that with a, with a crash, are you going out and recording, like throwing bits of metal at each other to, to get that or is that done with pre-recorded stuff archival stuff that you already have it's a combination so we have huge libraries that have been built internally at our company from different films and so it may be something that we folied on a different film right yeah. and then now we have this big library of car crashes because we do a bunch of those types of films. And so we can pull from that, whether it's a stock library that we purchased at some point or that we built ourselves, everything is sort of a, a combination and it really comes down to efficiency. So, you know, things like handwriting, if we're trying to match, we're seeing someone's hand, we're trying to match their handwriting to picture detailed work like that is usually done faster if we just throw up a microphone and, and actually yeah. do the handwriting ourselves, as opposed to trying to cut little pieces of pre-recorded stuff. Um, if it's 
footsteps. Sometimes we act them out and do it as fully. Sometimes it's easier just to use our library of thousands of foot feet. We have lots of feet in our library. So it really depends. How do you organize those sort of things? I mean, it must be incredible just, you know, as you say, thousands of footsteps. How do you go through that and find the right one for a particular scene? That is a brilliant question. And to, to bring that to current affairs, one of the things that we're doing over the next few weeks while we're on lockdown as a company, I'm having our head sound designer rebuild our entire sound effects library because we have some free time right now. And, <laughs> yeah. and these libraries get huge and they get pretty unruly. So every year or two, we have to go through and do a fair amount of maintenance. It's like anything else where you add tags or search engine, you know, uh, hashtags and you can sub, you do a lot of subcategorization. So let's say we have more realistic sounds that work better in documentaries. So we'll create documentary footstep libraries. And then let's say it's a feature or an action film. Those need to be a little bit more high production value. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So then we have our theatrical narrative, Hollywood sounding library and everything in between. We just subcategorize in all of these different folders. Awesome. I mean, I know you're probably down right now because of the virus. Is that, have you got anything else that's sort of lined up that you can talk about that you've either coming out that you've worked on or? Yeah. So one thing that was interesting, the day that we were told that the Bay Area was going to go into a shelter in place, me and my whole team hopped in our cars, drove to our studios, dismantled everything and rebuilt four home studios for me and my primary mixers all from home. And then we've been building an online server so that we can all share files and we can still have our dialogue editor work from his house and then upload it. And then the next day, our sound designer is working from his house. So one thing that's been lucky for us is most of the jobs, we tend to book about two to three months out. So most of the jobs that we have were already picture locked, production was done, and they were already ready for delivery. So we're actually still working quite a bit. I'm scoring two films right now from home, which is challenging because I have a two-year-old who comes running through. <laughs> yeah. And my studio is also his playroom, so we're sharing a little bit. Okay. And yeah, it's it's special to try to <laughs> record some clarinet and he's playing his drum set in the corner. But um, it, it's been great. Uh, and then a couple, I mean, we actually had so many films that were about to premiere at all the festivals, festivals in the United yeah. States. Right now we had, I was planning to go to South by Southwest for the premiere of You Cannot Kill David Arquette, which is a <laughs> film that we, uh, I did the mix on that and we sound designed and did all the editing on that too. And then at Tribeca Festival that was supposed to be in a few weeks, we had another feature narrative called 12 Hour Shift that was fantastic, sort of a horror thriller film, actually surprisingly also starring David Arquette, which is funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a film called Stray that was supposed to premiere at Tribeca. And gosh, we there were there were a bunch, but I'm hoping that these films all get online distribution and start popping up on Netflix because people have a lot of time to watch movies at home right now. So I feel like Netflix will be happy to to pick some of these up. Yeah, that's been the interesting thing. There are a lot of the companies seem to be doing that now. And because obviously none of the cinemas are open and there's nowhere to actually air anything. They, they mm -hmm. seem to be putting everything straight through on uh, home release, which is fabulous. So hopefully yeah. people will get to see it fairly yeah. soon. And so a couple of last questions for you. 
First question is, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? What TV shows am I watching at the moment? Well, because I have a two-year-old, most of my home TV <laughs> time right now is restricted. But I will say, just this morning, we discovered a new animated show on Netflix called Buddy. And I was shocked. I, I can't recommend it enough. It's one of the most original kids animated shows I've seen in a long time. It's, it's quite good. Uh, we also do some work on the Go Go Corey Carson animated kids show on oh, Netflix. Cool. That's, yeah. that's a great show. Yeah, we do some of the voiceover work for them. And then, gosh, adult TV shows. I just finished Curb Your Enthusiasm, which thank God for Curb Your Enthusiasm. So, I, uh, yes, I would have loved to have seen a Curb episode set in the middle of this virus would have been absolutely oh, hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe someone should write him tell him to do a special one-off episode just for this. Yeah, I th he really should, because I think that would be incredibly funny. Mm -hmm. I've, maybe they'll do it next season. <laughs> be better. Be yeah. better. Be well worth it. And uh, lastly, if you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, can be something historical from the past, something present, or some sort of future genre, what would it be? Ooh, good question. Um, if they were to make Tron into a TV show, I would <laughs> love to score that film, or that I'd love to score that series. Yes, I could see that working, actually, as a TV show. That would be an I interesting think, one. I think so, too. And uh, I have a scoring partner, and we do a lot of modular synth work together that's sort of dark and epic at the same time. It's kind of like uh, a Hans Zimmer score, but all on, on synthesis. So it would be really fun to score a show like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure Disney Plus will get around to it eventually. They seem to be <laughs> they seem to be leveraging every other thing they have. So That's right. That's right. At some point, we'll see it. Yeah, I'm sure we'll see it at some point. Well, thank you for coming on. It's been really lovely to talk to you. I hope you're uh, managing to survive through the lockdown and uh, not being driven too stir crazy stuck in your house. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's. I try to be positive and think that this is a lot of extra family time for a lot of us, absolutely. Um, especially, especially people with kids, because normally my kids at school all day long, but I get to hang out with them all day now. So uh, that's on the plus side. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a good thing. Thank you for coming on. It's been really lovely. Hopefully, uh, we'll get to talk again when uh, your next project comes out. Sounds good, Dave. Thanks. Good talking to you too. Awesome. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.